you for listening to the only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You can find all of our episodes at pharmacypodcast.com. Hello, this is Liz Helms, President and CEO of the California Chronic Care Coalition. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. Welcome back to the Pharmacy Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, tell a pharmacy colleague or um, another pharmacy professional about the Pharmacy Podcast. We are definitely always uh, wanting to grow our network. We also want feedback from our listeners, how to make the show better, more interactive, and uh, what subjects you'd like us to cover. We have done uh, some shows on technology. We interviewed United Health, Dr. Migliori, about telemedicine. And in the news, heads up, Pharmacy Times reported that Rite Aid in HealthSpot debut first network of telehealth stations in Ohio. And it kind of goes through how uh, they're going to use this as a quick care clinic. Uh, customers age three and above can be treated for minor and common health conditions, including colds and flus and rashes, skin conditions, eye conditions, uh, seasonal allergies, things like that. And this technology is available to privately owned pharmacies as well. There is another pharmacy in the state of Ohio who is implementing telemedicine technology, Waynesville Pharmacy, the Fields family, which are very well known throughout the industry. They started a PBM called APRO-RX. They're gonna be calling the telemedicine technology APRO-Connect. So um, if you're listening, you own a pharmacy, you want more information, send me an email. I would love to get you in touch with the right people to implement this kind of technology, which is a must to give your customers, your patients, additional healthcare services in your community pharmacy rather than losing them to um, another pharmacy if you're not competing at the levels with the tools uh, that are necessary. Today's interview is with Liz Helms. She's the president and CEO of the California Chronic Care Coalition. And we thank Ron Lanton of True North Political Solutions for bringing us this interview. Good morning, Pharmacy Podcast listeners. This is Ron Lanton, president of True North Political Solutions, where we give our clients advocacy and intelligence. And I'm also the co-host of the Pharmacy Podcast Show. And today we have a great guest lined up uh, for our listeners today. We have Liz Helms, who's the president and CEO of the California Chronic Care Coalition. Good morning, Liz. Good morning, Ron. How are you today? I'm doing just fantastic. Well, I'm glad that you are able to come on today's show and talk about what the coalition is doing in the industry and some policy updates, I guess, for our listeners. Thank you so much for asking me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Definitely. We are excited to start the show. So to start the show off, if you could tell our listeners about yourself and give our listeners a little bit about your background. Sure, I'm happy to do that. Um, I'm a patient advocate um, and started in advocacy almost two decades ago when I had a personal experience with a denial in healthcare, care. Um, and that launched me into a, a, 
I would say a career, but it's pretty much turned into that. It launched me into getting involved in the system. And I know many times people say, what What does it matter? Why should I get involved? Uh, and I was one of those. I, I said it didn't matter. What, was, what would my voice be worth? And uh, what I found out was your voice does matter. And so I got very involved in healthcare policy. I started working on a legislative issues, testifying before not just California, but uh, congressional um, issues, and um, and have loved the work we do because the work that um, I'm involved in now is helping people get the access to appropriate care that they need. That's great because, you know, a lot of people, especially pharmacy, they're having a I guess two minds about it. They're like, well, you know, I know we should get involved, but really, what am I going to matter? And it does matter. It really takes one person at a time. And, you know, just showing from your story here, I, I think that uh, is very encouraging for those that want to get involved. Right. Thank you. And we do need people to get involved. Yeah. Well, what is the California Chronic Care Coalition, and how did you get involved in that? Sure. Thank you. I, I always love to talk about the coalition. Um, the advocacy work that I was involved in back in the late 90s and early 2000s allowed me the honor to work with lots and lots of different uh, nonprofit organizations, provider groups, stakeholders, and we worked very closely with agencies and met many people. When the Schwarzenegger uh, administration uh, went into office, uh, they had a big push that 2007 was going to be the year for health care reform. And because of the uh, relationships and the trust that was built with so many people that I've been working with over that long period of time, I was asked if I could bring the voice of the patient to the table during that big push in 07 for health care reform. Uh, the voice of the consumer or the patient was not at the table. And so I said, yes, um, I'd be happy to do that. And within the next year, uh, we formed the California Chronic Care Coalition with uh, about 20 organizations at that time now have moved into over 30 organizations. And um, so I left my position that I had and started the Chronic Care Coalition. Yeah, just as a just as a follow up, our our, our the, the 30 members, are they like manufacturers? Are they pharmacies? Um, if we bring everybody to the table, we have, uh, and it's evolved over the years because we started in 07. We're now in our eighth year. And um, because we want stakeholders at the table and because we want to work with everyone. So our group is, is made up of, um, we have multiple pharmacy organizations, California Pharmacists Association, uh, the hospital pharmacists, um, and then provider groups, physician groups, uh, patient advocacy organizations, for instance, American Heart Association, National Multiple Sclerosis uh, Society in California, American Diabetes Association, um, and these are the state organizations in California. Uh, and then we have smaller groups because we want to hear everybody's voice. And so groups that may not have a big voice or a big presence in uh, policy uh, can join us and we together have a very united voice when we work on policy issues uh, surrounding access 
to care people with chronic conditions. Well, that sounds great. Well, what are some of the issues the coalition has advocated for? Well, um, we're really proud of some of the the big issues that we worked with. Uh, You know, a couple years ago, uh, there were three scope of practice bills running through the state legislature. Uh, one was for pharmacy scope of work, um, getting to provider status. And we knew that that bill was going to be hard fought. We also believe that in order to build that team, the pharmacist is a, a critical component to uh, building that team-based care. And uh, if they couldn't get to provider status, they get the sharing of information, I mean, they were just in a, in a really um, bad spot. And we knew that it was going to be hard fought. So we got involved. We got everybody together. We worked out issues. And of the three bills, the pharmacy bill was the one that actually got through, got signed. And now we're working on implementation of that. So that was one of the huge issues. Um, and then, of course, we, you know, which I'll be talking about, um, the specialty meds issue. Uh, we, we work on uh, community outreach projects. So we work uh, with the Right Care Initiative on blood pressure, uh, lipid, and uh, diabetes control to get to the 90th percentile and reducing heart attacks and strokes by 50% in five years. Um, just a whole lot of discriminatory health care practices. Sometimes we weigh in on federal issues. Uh, most of the time they're state issues. But, you know, as you know, California sometimes uh, is the model for the country. And so we do get involved on the national level, too. And the discrimination issue was a huge issue on specialty myths. It sounds like you guys are very active. Very active. Very. Yeah, that's good. Well, good. And, and yes, I know we've talked offline about a, a major policy win for you. Um, so I'll ask the question, are there any big policy changes that your group has been able to implement recently? Yes, and thank you so much for asking, because this is one we're really excited about. We realized, uh, oh, this was probably four years ago, we started to see signs that um, costs from the medical group budget um, or the medical budget in health plans to the pharmacy budget were being shifted and that they were going to land on the backs of consumers. And uh, especially for people with high-risk chronic conditions that take specialty meds. So we started to ask questions. We started to look at existing law. And we found uh, in, in some very old law that had never been tested called UNRU in the state of California uh, that there was a discrimination clause in there that you couldn't discriminate against anyone not have disabilities or medical conditions. And then we looked at the ACA and we found in Section 1557 another clause that talked about anti-discrimination. And so we thought, wow, we better just take a really hard look at this because we might be on to something because we felt for the people that had had pre-existing conditions that couldn't get health insurance prior to the ACA, now are able to get it. But of many of those consumers have to take expensive medicines. Um, and so you're looking at, you know, HIV, MS, uh, uh, hepatitis C, uh, hemophilia, lots of uh, very high-risk uh, populations of people that uh, could 
have a, a direct effect on their life if they can't get their meds. And we felt that this was discrimination, that what had happened is they had built that fourth specialty tier and put those high-cost meds on that fourth tier and then charged very high coinsurance payments. So this was like a whole different structure to the system. And so we went on uh, on a very big advocacy um, campaign to change that. And we started to work. Well, first we sent letters to our commissioner of insurance, Dave Jones, um, asking them to investigate. And then we built a national uh, collaborative that brought in people from all over the country. And we still have that ongoing to listen to what they were doing. And we learned a lot from many other states like uh, Delaware and New York and other states that were working on um, this issue. And then um through that, uh, we started to see things start to change in other states like Florida. So Florida sent in a letter to um, HHS, and uh, it, we all signed, many of us signed, there were hundreds of us that signed on to that letter. And that opened up a probe through the White House and then uh, open comments through CMS on the proposed rule. And we put in uh, our letters of concern on these discriminatory practices. At the same time, Covered California did the right thing, and they brought the stakeholders to the table. And in five weeks, five weeks, every week a meeting and lots of work to do and lots of information to get back to them, it was decided and voted on that they would do away with that coinsurance and cap uh, the uh co-pays for, they're still calling it co-insurance, but they have caps on them now, from 150 to 250 on all of the metal plans except bronze. Bronze is still at 500. We think we, they can do a whole lot better, uh, so we'll continue to work on that. But that was a huge victory because in one year that we really had embarked on that from our first meeting on specialty meds, that was May 29th, May 21st of 2015, within days of when we really hit this issue hard, we won that issue and got these caps down. So that was huge for California and then also has set the model for the country as this is the first exchange in the country that made a decision and we did it without legislation. Yeah, that's huge. One, to do it without legislation and two, to enact that kind of change that I can see as something that that has the potential to spread nationwide. Well, I guess uh, to follow up on that uh, major victory, what do you see or, or what does the coalition see um, as the biggest threat to patients? Well, we still see access and affordability, uh, understanding what they're purchasing. Uh, we don't believe that patients always really know what it is that they're purchasing until after they buy the plan. Many times they will look at a plan and they'll purchase it due to cost. Employers do the same thing. And we really want um, the, the consumer to understand what it is they're purchasing and what that coverage really means to them when, they're gonna, when they need it. Is it going to be there for them? And then we still have barriers. We still have step therapy in our states. We still have uncoordinated fragmented care. So there's a lot of room to improve to where we can really save 
um, overall health care costs. And a big piece of that is uh, having the pharmacist as part of that care team. Uh, right now, they end up back in the hospital because they don't understand what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, there's a huge role pharmacy needs to, to play in all of this, which would help. Uh, reduce that threat to patients. I mean, no one wants to have adverse reactions or contraindications, and medicine is a key um, connector to the health and welfare um, and the wellness of the patient. So we've got to get rid of the threats that still put those barriers in front of the patient. Absolutely. I agree. What do you see as the biggest threat to pharmacy? So the biggest threat that we see is the lack of reimbursements. Um, getting the provider status in California, there's many states still don't have that. And we're working now on building that infrastructure on comprehensive medication therapy management where pharmacists can get paid for the work that they do and for the great work that they do. They know uh, sometimes better than the physician a specific type of medication or what it needs to be, and they can really help um, build that team. And we've seen where those teams have come together and the return on investments have been huge. Uh, we learn from that. So um, I think if pharmacists can't get reimbursed for the work and the time that they put into it or the medicines that they purchase are more than what they're getting back, uh, for them to even stay in business or be at the reimbursement level and not just uh, on specialty meds, but just getting reimbursed for, I mean, they seem to be always in the cutting block. Everything we hear about, they're cutting costs, cutting costs, cutting costs, and they keep these 10% cuts in our, you know, in our legislative language. The governor does it. And it's hard to believe how they can survive sometimes when they can't get paid for what it is that they do. So that really needs to be worked on. Exactly. I, I can't add anything onto that. You have that nail right on the head. If your coalition could change one thing nationwide, what would it be? Well, you know, I have a list of more than one. But if I... <laughs> It's a, hard it's a really hard question, um, but thank you for asking that. You know, everyone, all stakeholders need to be working together, not fighting with each other, not having turf battles. Uh, patients have a place at that table. Uh, and building that infrastructure, the infrastructure that we need for innovation, I think that is that's where we need to get the discussion going. Uh, when we look at siloed healthcare uh, and we look at budgets, which you need to do, I mean, I, I realize that you need to do that, but if you look at the total cost of care and you look at where each player fits in or each professional or team member, including the patient, with the patient being at the center of care or the consumer or we call it um, person, you know, the, the person-centric, um, we're going to get to where we want to go. If we don't work together, if we stay fragmented, this system will never get fixed. So building that infrastructure for innovation is, I think, the key point that if there was one thing 
I could change. It's getting all the stakeholders together to figure out how we build that infrastructure. You know, I think, Liz, this is the first interview where I've absolutely been speechless because everything that I've been saying over the course of these podcasts and, you know, in our articles that we publish is exactly what you're saying here. So this is, this is really great. And I'm glad to have your perspective on this. This is great. Um, are there any projects that the coalition, I, I mean, I know you're a very active organization. Is, is there anything that you can share project-wise with our listeners that you're currently working oh, on? Oh, sure. We're excited about some of the work that we're doing. And, you know, I give kudos to all our organizations. They are very hardworking, uh, not just within the coalition where they volunteer their time, but in the work that they're doing in building community health and the partnerships that we can form. We have learned um, that, you know, where we where we like to work is with everyone. And so we are now working with all the agencies in the state. And we are working on data warehouses. Um, so we are on the California Healthcare Performance Information Board of Directors, which is the data warehouse that's being put together by the, that uh, is an acronym called CHIPI. And those are the health plans um, that have come together to work on getting that data. Then there's another data warehouse under the auspices of Let's Get Healthy California. And um, that is another data warehouse to help consumers uh, find the resources that they need to, to get the care that they need. So that's going to be very helpful. Um, we have two new websites that have just launched. One is specialtyrxsos.org. And the other uh, that's just going to be getting launched is MyPatientsRights.org. The MyPatientsRights.org will help people understand where they go when they have to file a complaint. It's, it's um, supporting the work of the Department of Managed Health Care and the Department of Insurance. So we're partnering with them to help get that word out into a broader world. And then um, with, the, with the Department of Public Health, uh, and with uh, the Department of Managed Health Care and the Right Care Initiative, which is with most of the academics in the state um, under the UC umbrella, we've been working on getting the clinical pharmacist on the care team and comprehensive medication therapy management. So we have in California right now the wellness plan, and we're working to help implement that. And one of our big focuses is helping build that consensus on what does it all look like to bring the pharmacist in um, as that huge part of the team and then um, build that payment structure for it. So we're working very closely with the California Pharmacists Association uh, and other, other entities. So in order to do that, another piece of what we're doing is we host a bi-monthly call called Teaming Up, and the up is utilizing pharmacy, and that's uh, learning best practices that have taken place, so we invite speakers in, um, and then we have a, this work group that's working on these issues, so by next year, we can really put a plan together where everybody is at the table, we don't end up go starting out the door with, their, with people saying, no, 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 that isn't what we want to do. So those are some of the really big issues that um, and the activities that we're working on right now that we're really excited about. That sounds great. It really does. 
Well, the last question that I have for you here before I uh, ask you for your contact information in case any of our listeners have questions that they want to talk to you about offline, are there any words of wisdom that you can share with our supply chain listeners? Um, thank you. <laughs> I, um, you know, from my personal experiences of being a consumer and coming in from those experiences uh, has given me a whole different perspective on the system. Now I'm in the system and I work, um, have been working professionally in the system um, for, for many years now, two decades. But if I were to give some words of wisdom, I would say don't be afraid to come out of your comfort zone. Don't put additional barriers on access uh, for people that need their medications. And I would say that to um, to all the payers. And uh, when barriers continue to stand between patients and the care they need, everybody loses. We want to see the health plans working with all stakeholders to come to consensus on what needs to be done to fix our system. So that takes people out of their comfort zone. And I've been out of my, I'm, I'm almost comfortable being out of my comfort zone. Uh, when I'm in a comfort zone, I think, uh-oh, what's going to be happening? Um, so I just kind of stay there because I want to be prepared for anything. But putting patients first and front of center, not last, helps us build a system that's going to promote wellness, adherence, management, and patient engagement. And we have to constantly remind lawmakers that people really matter. And sometimes they lose sight of that. It, it, it doesn't mean that they are not listening or not good people. It's just you get caught up in the rhetoric of legislative policy. And sometimes we forget who it is that we're doing what for. And I would like to say to them, you know, always remember where your base is on every piece of policy that you're working on and how is it going to affect those populations of people that uh, you're building um, policy on. And the last word of wisdom, I'd say we have found when everybody comes together, no matter how uncomfortable it might be, when you get things on the table, you can work through them. And working through them can get you to the place that you want to be. And then really be excited about looking back at the work that you accomplished rather than we didn't accomplish anything. And that's going to take everybody working together. So that would be my wisdom. That sounds great. Well, if our listeners have any questions that they'd like to bring up with you offline, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? They can contact me at LizHelms at chroniccareca.org, and my phone number is 916-300-8687. Great. Well, Liz, this was a really good interview. I think that our listeners have learned quite a lot listening to what your organization is doing. And uh, it's exciting to see all the changes that you that you are doing, and I'm glad to I've listened to you at the NCPA Specialty Pharmacy Conference uh, just a few weeks back, and um, I'm glad you were able to come on the show. We're going to have to come, have you back. 
Well, thank you so much for asking me to come on. Uh, I look forward to talking with you uh, more in the future and learning from what you guys are doing and listening to the other podcasts to learn from them, too. Sounds great. Well, that was Liz Helms of the California Chronic Care Coalition. And I'm Ron Lanson, president of True North Political Solutions and co-host of the Pharmacy Podcast Show. For those that uh, have questions for me offline, feel free to give me an email, ronlanson3 at truenorthps, as in politicalsolutions.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at truenorth underscore ps. Thanks a lot, Liz. Thank you so much.